WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. Happy Pride, everybody. It is the 20th anniversary of Charlotte Pride, typically the biggest parade we host every single year in Charlotte. 40 floats, 170 groups, hundreds of thousands of people. COVID-19 forced a cancellation for several years, and now, despite a new public health issue, monkeypox, organizers say the celebration goes on. We're going to hear from the public health director coming up a bit later in the show. Joining us today, Clark Simon, the president of Charlotte Pride. Clark, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. All right, so after a, a two-year hiatus, y'all are promising the biggest pride yet. That is correct. You know, 2019, the last time we had full-scale uh, in-person pride, it was a, just over 200,000 attendees. Uh, for scale, that is approximately two and a half Bank of America stadiums filled with people. So this year, we're hoping to reach maybe four Bank of America stadiums filled with people. Wow. Wow. Um, and why do you think that is? I mean, the parade is the, usually the biggest parade here in Charlotte. Um, what I, I mean, there are, listen, there are plenty of gay folks who live all across this country in every state, in every county, in every city. Um, but, but why do you think this seems to resonate so much with the Charlotte community? I think there's a couple uh, reasons that factor into that. I think the location of Charlotte in general, with being in such close proximity to other larger cities, um, but not quite as large, draws a lot of folks to come here kind of as a centralized hub for the festival and parade. Also, we do it in August of every year, as opposed to June when a lot of other cities have it. So this is just kind of like an added um, treat to be able to come out in August and continue pride celebrations uh, throughout the year. Yeah, it's a smart strategy there uh, for all the folks celebrating in New York or San Francisco, or I think Atlanta is typically in October. This gives them somewhere in between where they can celebrate as well in August. Um, all right, uh, let's talk monkeypox. There's, there's no way we can't talk about it. We're talking about thousands of gay men celebrating this weekend. 97% of the cases, I think, are, are men who have sex with men. What's being done to make sure that, that folks are, are celebrating this weekend safely? So first and foremost, I just want to uh, thank Mecklenburg County Health Department. I am having constant calls with them, being updated on the latest and greatest guidance coming from them, from the state, as well as the CDC. If you go to our website, there's um, a tab about keeping you safe and it covers everything, including monkeypox, COVID, you know, if folks don't feel well, please don't come. Um, but I do want to be clear that though the highest pronounced incidences of monkeypox currently are in the men who have sex with men community, um, this is a community disease. And if COVID taught us anything, it is that anything like this can impact and will impact everyone. So being safe, being smart, being educated, getting vaccinated, things like that that we've grown accustomed to hearing messaging over the last few years still are important as things are evolving. But I will say that the County Health Department has been a phenomenal partner with allowing and affording vaccinations, wait lists, education. They'll be there Saturday and Sunday administering vaccines offsite, but near our festival space as well as having booth space that is educating individuals on what to do, signs, symptoms, how to prevent. So do you know, I mean, if somebody's not vaccinated right now and say they're not on the wait list, could they go this weekend to uh, one of these festivities and get vaccinated on the spot? I can't speak with 100% certainty on that. What I can say is what I understood was it's more of a first come, first serve 
based on um, the current criteria for being eligible for, for a vaccine. Gotcha. And as you, as you alluded to, but worth, it's worth reemphasizing that it is not a, a gay disease or an STI. Um, it, it can happen to anybody. Um, in recent years, uh, after gay marriage and, and several other gay protections passed, some have questioned the importance of pride. Do, do, do we really need it? Um, what would you say to those folks? Uh, we 100% need it. I think in any movement in which there is a uh, different, difference of opinions, there is going to be one side that does not like it, one side that wants it. I think for the specific issue of gay marriage, as it relates to recent Supreme Court rulings, I'm mentioning Roe, and then Supreme Court Justice Thomas's comments surrounding contraception access, gay marriage, things like that potentially being next. And actually, I think it was Justices Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan that indicated that those were things that they were having concern about. I think it's more important than ever to reaffirm the majority of Americans' opinions that gay marriage should be legal. It is legal. Um, but I do think it's important to never stop fighting for equal rights. You know, a lot of folks think that when gay marriage was legalized, they lost something. They, they didn't. A right given to me is not a right taken from you. It is not a pie. You know, we're not having one shared commodity that if one has more of, the other has less. That's not the case. It's simply about being equal. And I think you see that in polling. Overwhelmingly, uh, Americans in the last uh, 20 years have shifted tremendously on this issue. And I think something like 75% now are, are, are supportive of, of gay marriage. Um, and to that point, the gay rights movement is, is really mainstream now, embrace of the gay culture is unlike we've ever seen before uh, in our country. But you do have politicians targeting drag queen performances, uh, trying to ban school-age books that, that have perhaps some gay themes, um, mocking the idea of a, of a person's pronouns. Um, so do you feel like we're taking a few steps back when it comes to the gay rights movement? I don't think we're taking a few steps back. I think the actions that are being taken or the words that are used or the legislation that is proposed by some of these individuals, including the one that was proposed here not too long ago, that was the equivalent of the Don't Say Gay bill that Florida has. Um, and luckily, our governor shut that down. I think what you're seeing is these individuals that are not well enough educated to understand what the world is actually comprised of, who is in it, who is in that greater sense of community that builds community uh, that is in every boardroom and every classroom. And I think they are fearful that they are going to not be able to control the mindset or the narrative as they've been so able to do for such a long time. Um, so I think these things, you know, banning books, who does that? Um, legislation that would um, implore educators to out children. Children have four time, children on the LGBTQ community have a four time higher rate of suicide than their straight peers, which is ridiculous. So you put them in a school for eight hours a day and they have to live in constant fear that at home I can't tell my family because I'm scared. And now at school, I can't reach out to someone that could be an ally, that can help me, that can talk to me. That person would forcibly have to out them and potentially put them in a dangerous situation, which is unnecessary. Kids should be focused on learning. Kids should be focused on being kids, not worrying about if they're going to be outed and what the repercussions are. Speaking of, of a targeted group, I want to talk about the members of the trans community because they're, they're a small, um, tiny minority of people, but they are, are 
um, focused on and exploited and, and used to score political points. Um, why is this weekend as much about them as it is anybody? We're all one community. Um, you know, we have the letters LGBTQ plus. That includes everybody. It includes allies. It includes trans. It includes non-binary. It. This weekend is about celebration of the diversity the city has and that the city has showcased that they appreciate and respect. So it's as much about everyone as it is any one subsect. So it's important that everyone realize that pride is a celebration for the individuality of everybody here in Charlotte and beyond. Of course, we know haters are going to hate and there's going to be some people who, who, who are going to hate. Um, but then there's some people who may be watching this from home who they may not know a gay person, they might not know a trans person, but, but they, they, they are open and they love uh, everybody. Ex explain to them um, why they should come and take part in Pride. So, first off, probably everybody knows someone that's gay. They might not just know that they're gay. Um, but the importance of having folks that may feel like they are not vested in the cause, they intrinsically are. We are business owners, we are neighbors, we're your family. So showing support is a good faith effort to remind us that though the fight isn't over for equality and rights, it we are being reinforced by folks that may not be a part of the community, but they are most certainly a part of the community in helping correct wrongs call out bigotry, transphobia, homophobia when they hear or see it, and ensuring that everybody that lives, works, and plays here is afforded the same rights and ability to just lead a healthy, happy, and productive life. And a community that is diverse and celebrates that diversity is all the stronger. All right, listen, uh, Clark Simon with the uh, Charlotte Pride Organization. Thanks for coming on, we appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And a happy Pride, take care. Happy Pride. A few weeks ago, I spoke to the Mecklenburg County Health Director, Dr. Raynard Washington, about how his team is planning on keeping everybody safe during Pride Weekend. Take a listen. What is being done to make sure that that event, uh, which is usually one of the biggest events in Charlotte, the parade is the biggest parade in Charlotte. We're talking about tens of thousands, even 100,000 people. Uh, is there a way to have that event and be safe? Absolutely. So we've been working. Uh, I started working with the president of Charlotte Pride just about uh, a couple months ago, again, as a part of our preparations. Uh, and we talked quite a bit about planning, uh, but specifically outreach and education. So monkeypox is, is very different than COVID-19. And so I want folks to understand that very clearly. Uh, COVID-19 is predominantly spread through respiratory uh, transmission. Uh, and transmission is a lot easier with COVID than it is monkeypox. Uh, monkeypox is almost always symptomatic. Uh, and unlike COVID, back in the early days of COVID, when uh, there wasn't uh, as much, uh, when there were people who had COVID with no symptoms and were still able to transmit it. Uh, so we've been working to uh, proactively prepare for uh, Charlotte Pride with their leadership team, uh, making sure that they have education and awareness available. Our teams will be out on the ground that entire weekend uh, in the mix and working, and we'll be offering vaccines during the Pride event as well. Uh, but we're also working right now because, of course, we're focused on containment. That's a couple weeks out. Uh, and so we're trying to get all the high-risk patients that we can possibly get in to get vaccinated. Uh, and, of course, our communicable disease team is working uh, diligently at contact tracing every confirmed case, uh, which is where we're, we're having opportunities to identify folks who were exposed and intervene. Coming up next on Flashpoint, the big business of pride here in Charlotte.
Charlotte does Pride a little different than the rest of the country. Let's connect the dots. Most cities celebrate Pride in June during Pride Month. Back in 1981, a precursor to Charlotte Pride was celebrated near the campus of UNC Charlotte during June. But over the years, Pride moved around the Queen City and got more organized in 2001 with an August date. And believe it or not, the August planning was because the event didn't conflict with any other Pride celebrations or other summer events here in Charlotte. Today, it's now the largest parade Charlotte hosts every year. Nearly 200,000 people attended the parade in 2019, and organizers are expecting a bigger parade this year. Those hundreds of thousands of people managed to spend around $8 million during the last Pride weekend, meaning it could mean big bucks for a lot of uptown businesses. And that is Connecting the Dots. Hundreds of thousands are expected to spend millions of dollars this weekend at Pride, boosting the economy. WCNC Charles Michelle Bowden has a closer look at the numbers. The last time they did this in person, they had 200,000 visitors coming in from out of town, spending their money right here in Charlotte. And this year, they say they're expecting even more visitors for the weekend. At the Charlotte Pride offices, they're busy getting ready for their biggest fundraiser of the year. A giant street festival that hasn't happened since 2019. We are just beyond thrilled that we finally have the opportunity to bring uh, the city's largest street festival, largest parade back to Uptown Charlotte uh, after two years of a post-pandemic hiatus. The fundraiser is also big money for the city of Charlotte and area businesses. In 2019, 200,000 visitors spent $8 million during Pride Weekend. Several hundred thousand dollars in local hospitality taxes, 10,000 hotel rooms generated in the city. And for you? We think it's a unique opportunity for local businesses, especially folks in the service and hospitality sectors, to really take advantage of visitors who are coming into town. We're super excited for it to come back. Last year was rough. Oh, uh, that's for a salad. We were planning on the event for the entire year and then got canceled. Chris Belias is the director of food and beverage for Angeline's and Merchant and Trade, the two restaurants at the Kimpton Hotel in Uptown. It'll be a huge weekend for us. Um, we have a lot of events planned to go along with Pride. Comer says people will come from across the southeast for the two-day event. More than 20% of our visitors come from more than 50 miles away. And you, of course, a lot of that is in our larger region. Uh, but every year we see folks from New York, from Florida, D.C. We've had folks from California. All sampling Charlotte and spending money while they're here. We're excited. We think a lot of people regionally are going to be coming to Charlotte to celebrate, and we're excited to welcome them all. It's about coming together to, to show the rest of the world that um, we have struggled, we have triumphed, and, and that we're resilient. And the flagship event, the big parade, that is Sunday afternoon, and they are expecting a big turnout. Reporting in Uptown, Michelle Bowden, WCNC Charlotte. Switching gears, some big decisions before city council this week. We'll get to that after the break. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Monday, city council is set to vote on social districts. Those are the designated outdoor drinking areas that have been popping up across North Carolina. It comes one week after council heard comments from Charlotteans on how they feel about the districts. WCNC Charles Julia Kaufman found out what concerns are top of mind. Everyone that spoke in this public hearing was in favor of the idea of social districts, but opposed the potential litter and pedestrian danger that could come with them. Efforts to keep Charlotte's streets clean are all over the city, but some worry 
plastic cups typically used in social districts would be too much to keep up with. We have an ugly litter problem in the city, mostly single-use plastic food and drinks. Charlotte City Council hearing from residents like Nancy Pierce Monday night. Pierce likes the trend popping up all over North Carolina. I actually support alcohol social districts. In hopes if Charlotte adopts them, they'll abandon single-use plastic. Please do what is right for the people of Charlotte. Social districts are established in Salisbury, Mooresville, Kannapolis, and other nearby towns. Charlotte could be next. If adopted, the city could have multiple districts in different neighborhoods. We're in support of creating a social district in the Plasmood area and in Noda uh, to support our small businesses. Charlotte's hotspots already have busy streets. Planning Commission member Sam Spencer worries outdoor drinking could increase dangers for pedestrians. There are things that we can do in terms of streetscape, walkability, public transportation, and everything that we've worked on um, in the past years to prevent pedestrian fatalities. If passed, council approval will be required to establish any districts. In Uptown, Julia Kaufman, WCNC Charlotte. More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Big changes for millions of Americans after President Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act. The bill will address climate change and health care challenges, among many other things. WCC Charlotte's Brianna Harper has a closer look at how it could impact you. Now long. A round of applause for what's being called the most substantial federal investment in history to help fight climate change. A whopping $375 billion over the next 10 years will be used to help cut greenhouse gas emissions, give tax credits for those who buy electric vehicles, install solar panels, or make other energy-efficient home upgrades. In addition, consumers could save up to nearly $200 a year in electricity costs. This new law also provides tax credits that's going to create tens of thousands of good-paying jobs, clean energy manufacturing jobs solar factories in the Midwest and the South, wind farms across the plains and off our shores, clean hydrogen projects and more all across America. And today is part of an extraordinary story that's being written by this administration and our brave allies in the Congress. The new law will also improve access to health care and cap out-of-pocket prescription drug costs up to $2,000 for Medicare recipients. On top of that, the nearly 13 million Americans struggling to afford health care insurance will have those subsidies first provided during the pandemic extended. With this law, the American people won and the special interests lost. GOP lawmakers have criticized the law, saying it's more government overreach. Reject the spending of things that we don't need with money we don't have. A larger celebration of legislation will take place early next month once lawmakers return to the nation's capital. Brianna Harper, WCNC, Charlotte. Folks, come, come interact with us on social media. Let us know what you think about the show, what else you want us to cover here as well. And as always, remember to listen and subscribe to our podcast. A lot of people don't realize we have a podcast as well here on Flashpoint, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, all this month, WCNC Charlotte is working to clear the shelters. If you're looking for a, a new furry friend to add to your family, go adopt one now. And if you're not able to adopt, that's okay too. We understand that not everybody can take an, an animal right now. You can always donate money as well. Those donations will go to helping the animals while they're in the transition period between now and in that new permanent home. You can find a link to do so on our website, wcnc.com. And we'll see you back here next week for another edition of Flashpoint.